Welcome podcast listeners to another Happy Public Radio episode. I'm your host for today's show, Phoenix, and I'm really lucky to be joined on the line today uh, by Moxie Marlon Spike. Hi, Moxie. Could you introduce yourself to the Hacker Public Radio audience, please? Hey, uh, yeah, my name is Moxie Marlon Spike. Um, I work at the Institute for Disruptive Studies, and I guess I'm going to be talking about SFL. <laughs> um, as I say, I'm, I'm, I'm really chuffed that you, you've come on to the call. Um, for, for the guys, for the guys that that maybe haven't heard of you before, um, one of your projects, uh, the tools that you do is, is SSL Strip. Could you maybe kind of give us a brief explanation of what SSL Strip is for for, for the HPR audience? Sure. Um, the concept itself is pretty simple. The idea is basically uh, that SSL is pretty good, but how it's deployed really matters. And on the web, SSL is deployed in this kind of strange way where there's, there's often a bridge between um, just HTTP and HTTPS. And uh, this bridge is a very vulnerable point. And once you start looking at that, there's all kinds of tricks that you can do to attack that bridge. And so SSL strip is sort of a proof of concept. And it uh, by default implements you know, sort of the, the most straightforward attack, which is just um, you know, preventing the yeah, connection from being upgraded from HTTP to HTTPS. Uh, and um, you know, the, the evolution of the way that browsers have gone, um, you know, a reduction of uh, positive feedback and a uh, stronger introduction of negative feedback uh, helps sort of enhance that attack such that it's actually um, pretty deadly. Yeah, I um, I caught your uh, Black Hat DC talk over on SecurityTube.net, um, and I, I I really liked the way that you'd kind of used that bridge simile for for how HTTPS is used, and I think that's really nice. But I liked the the, the video. I think. I always like seeing the practical demonstrations, and I quite liked when you shown that using SSL strip, it's actually very hard for people to to notice that they might be on a site that's actually had all the, the, the SSL pulled out of it, and, and it's relying on a HTTP connection. Um, I mean, you hear this band about a lot, but you get people say that, that oh, really, it's all about user education and user awareness, and you know, if they're looking for the signs. Um, they'll know that they're not on a secure site. Do you think that that's true, or do you think that really we need to take more ownership for for, for actually, you know, it's maybe a little bit past user awareness? Yeah, yeah. I don't. I I don't think that. I think there's something else going on there more than just user awareness. Um, I gave that talk in DC, and you know, one of the most common reactions was, "Oh, this is a matter of user." users are stupid and they just don't understand. We need to make them understand that they need to look for these indicators. Um, and you know, like I said, I think that there's something more than that here. So that's sort of like a demonstration. I gave the same talk at uh, Black Hat in Amsterdam. And you know, like 10 minutes before my talk, I just ran SSL strip on the, the network for 10 minutes. And I got like you know, 50 passwords. <laughs> and uh, I made a slide that was just the passwords. Uh, no, no usernames, and uh, so I just put all the passwords in a slide, and you know, I put up the slide, and I said, well, you know, 
these are your passwords, right? Like even so-called security professionals um, are you know, falling victim to this attack. And you know, the idea is basically like if you know, these people, so-called security professionals, at a place like Black Hat, which is known to have a pretty hostile network, um, you know, fall victim to this attack, then what hopes do 99% of users have? Right? So I think there's something else going on here, and it's, it's not just you know, saying that user education is a problem. Yeah, I mean, like you say, I mean, I, I saw... Um I saw the demonstration that you did on on the video, and you know, from here anyway, I, I thought it was actually very, very, very hard to tell the difference between, you know, the secure. You, I think you used Gmail as an example in one of your slides, and you know, you showed the secured version and the non-secured. Well, the H, that where the SSL was stripped out of it, and uh, I, I mean, I found it very hard to to, to actually tell. And I, I think you kind of. It was more about, you know, it seems to be that there's a push towards with browsers for this, you know, negative reinforcement. Right, right, totally. The, a lot of the positive indicators have been toned down, and it varies from browser to browser. But I mean, especially if you look at things like Safari, right? You know, the, diff the difference between a secured site in Safari uh, and a straight HTTP site is is just is one little tiny blind embossed. Uh, padlock in the upper right corner that's very small and that's the only thing that disappears. So yeah, I think you know most most people's uh, experience is to just be browsing along and then um, you know continue normally until there's something that appears that says uh, something drastically wrong has happened, you know. And so I think that, that is that's the trend that browsers have been leading people and you know it's possible to exploit that trend uh, using attacks like these. Mm -hmm. Um I mean, the other thing that I kind of wanted to talk to you about as well um, is I also saw your uh, I also saw the, uh, the video um, of your talk in Vegas, and uh, previous listeners uh, to the show will know uh, Chris John Riley and Frank Bradick um, actually mentioned your talk, um, and your talk was new tricks for defeating SSL. Was it new tricks for defeating SSL? Where you discussed, uh, was it is it the null uh, the null prefix attack? Um, right, but, right. Yeah. Could you maybe kind of give us a brief description of what that attack is, just for for people on the HPR audience that might not have heard about it before? Right. Um, so this is you know this is a different attack. It's uh, and it uses. <laughs> You know, so I have, I have two different tools. One is SSL strip, which is you know does the, the stripping of attacking this sort of bridge, and then I have this other tool, SSL sniff, which is designed more to attack the SSL connections directly, whether on the web or anywhere else. Um, and so this this tool, uh, the null prefix attacks are for um, the idea is basically that. Uh, SSL certificates are based on a standard called X509, and X509 uh, represents data using ASN1, and uh, the strings in the ASN1 format are represented um, as Pascal strings, uh, which means that there is a uh, you know a length prefix and then uh, the string itself. And uh, this is in contrast to you know most SSL implementations, which are written in C. And they use uh, C strings, 
right? In C strings, uh, you just get a pointer into the first character in your character string, and then uh, you know whatever function that you're using continues along the string until it encounters a null character, and then this uh, is supposed to indicate that you're at the end of the string. So two different models of representing strings, and uh, so what I found is that you can actually create um, strings in your certificates that have null characters in them. And this is important because the way that uh, certificate authorities have started to validate identity is through this thing called domain validation. And the idea is basically you submit a certificate signing request to a certificate authority, and they look at the domain that you you want the certificate for, and they ignore everything except for the root domain. So I submit a certificate request for foo.thoughtcrime.org, and they ignore everything but thoughtcrime.org. And they do a whois lookup, get my contact information out of the uh, whois database, and contact me to verify that I am uh, actually requesting this certificate. Uh, so the interesting thing is I can get whatever I want. I can get foo.thoughtcrime.org. I can get verifyneedschildren.thoughtcrime.org. I can get certificate authorities are a total ripoff.thoughtcrime.org. And you know whatever I submit the request for, they will ignore everything except for thoughtcrime.org and do this with look up and contact me. So as long as I control sort of the root domain, I can get whatever I want. And uh, what I found is that this includes things like www.paypal.com null character .thoughtcrime.org. So if I get a certificate like that, uh, the certificate authority will ignore everything except for the root domain, thoughtcrime.org. Who has looked up and contact me? And I can verify that you know I do in fact own this domain. But then when I present this certificate to a web browser or an email client or a chat client or a VPN client, anything that uses SSL, um, it will pull out the um, the the name, it will pull out the domain, and it will treat it as a C string, which means that when it goes to compare it to whatever it was actually trying to connect to, so let's say it was trying to connect to PayPal.com. It will do a string compare between PayPal.com and www.paypal.com nullcharacter.thoughtcrime.org, and the null character will will terminate the string comparison such that it will think that my certificate actually just says www.paypal.com. And uh, you know the interesting thing is that there's, it's it's undetectable, right? So there's, there's no warnings. And furthermore, once you go to inspect the certificate, even then uh, you don't see anything past the null character because even the, the functions that are displaying the certificate uh, information are you know, tricked by the null character as well. So it's, it's, a, it's a nice attack that's pretty undetectable. Um, the, the one variation was that I also found that you, know, uh, you can get wildcard certificates, right? So like I can get star.thoughtcrime.org. And the deal is that then I get my one certificate and it, it will match www.thoughtcrime.org, mail.thoughtcrime.org, uh, you know, chat.thoughtcrime.org, whatever I'd like, and I don't need a different certificate for each subdomain. Uh, and I found that the the Mozilla uh, the, the SSL implementation that the Mozilla products use, which is called NSS, and actually a number of other pieces of software also use the same SSL implementation, um, Pigeon, AIM, Evolution, a few others. Um, that this had a very strange way of validating wildcards, such that I could get a certificate that said star null character .org. And of course, when the implementation was presented with the certificate, it would evaluate to star. 
and um, that would match any domain. Um, so you could have this one certificate, star null character and it would match anything that you compared it to. Uh, and I called it a universal wildcard certificate. It's sort of like a, having a CA cert, only it's actually better because if you have a CA cert, you still have to create and sign the you know leaf certificates that you'd uh, that you'd, you'd like to. Whereas if you have a universal wildcard cert, you just you know present the same thing over and over again, and it matches everything. Um, yeah. So I mean, you, you would you deploy something. You know, you deploy your wildcard, your universal wildcard cert. You deploy that. Say on a man-in-the-middle attack in uh, on a, a company network, um, what you're actually saying is is that you know PayPal, Gmail, whoever those, those secure sites they go to, the actual user on the other end, even if they go to view the certificate, will actually be told they're viewing like if they're going to PayPal that they're actually seeing the PayPal certificate. Um, is that correct? So basically, you could pretty much own pretty much anyone's HTTPS sort of. You know, secure stuff on on networks. Then, sure, yeah, it, it plugs right into SSL Sniff, which is you know the tool that I have. So you can actually just run SSL Sniff on a network, and and you'll just get all of the SSL traffic. And it's not just HTTPS; it's also all the other things that SSL is used for. It's uh, you know, secure IMAP, secure POP3, uh, you know, secure IRC, um, uh, SSL VPNs. Uh, really, everything that SSL uses, uh, that SSL is used for, uh, and yeah, you just run SSL sniff and, and you get it all. I mean, I, I've I've watched the video a couple of times. I, I just I, I I really loved the talk. I mean, I thought it was fantastically done. I thought it was well presented and and very very interesting. Um, it amazed me, uh, without sounding disrespectful and that's not what I'm meaning at all but it, it seemed to me that it was beautiful in its simplicity the null prefix attack that, that that you know it was almost like you had the application process itself rather than the, the protocol itself does that make sense oh sure I mean it's, this is an implementation vulnerability right um, you know most most vulnerabilities that you find are always software problems you know it's rare that they're actual Protocol vulnerabilities that are exploitable. Um, the thing that I think is interesting is when you manage to find implementation vulnerabilities that span implementations. Right. So this is a bug that is a problem with uh, SSL implementations. It's a bug in NSS. Um, but the interesting thing is that almost everybody got it wrong. Almost every SSL implementation that exists messed this up. You know. Uh, NSS is bad. The whole Microsoft Crypto API is bad. So every every application that uses SSL on Microsoft Windows is vulnerable to this. Uh, you know, GNU TLS got it wrong. A lot of applications that use OpenSSL got it wrong. Um, so I think that those are the kind of the most interesting things. Is not just when you find a bug in a piece of software, but you find a bug that everybody has tripped over. Every single person who's tried to do this has all made the same mistake. I think those are the really interesting uh, implementation vulnerabilities. I mean, the the other thing that I'd also like to touch on as well. Um, it was also in that talk that you mentioned about the um, OCSP, the the, um, the the online basically the online certificate checking protocol, um, and how you'd actually overcome that. Um, I mean. Would it be possible to get you to kind of like give us a brief 
description of what OCSP is and, and actually how you defeated it. Right. So this is something that's like bordering on a protocol vulnerability. Um, and the deal is that uh, right, OCSP is the online certificate status protocol. Um, the, you know, the idea is that uh, the old mechanisms for revoking certificates are not really working for people anymore, right? It, it used to be that uh, if you revoked a certificate, it would just get put in the certificate revocation list, and every once in a while you would update your CRLs. Uh, but, but now you know, the problem is there's so many different certificate authorities, and each has their own CRL, and the lists are getting longer and longer. I mean, they're enormous now. Uh, that it's, it's really just sort of a nightmare to manage all of these things. So what people wanted instead was a wait protocol for verifying certificates on the fly. Uh, and that's what OCSP is supposed to be doing, right? Uh, the idea is that uh, if you're a web browser or any SSL implementation, but let's just say a web browser, sees a certificate for the first time. So you know, you, it tries to make a connection to Gmail, and it gets a certificate for you know, Google.com, and it says, well, I haven't seen this yet. It, uh, it does a quick request to an OCSP URL embedded in the certificate. So the, the certificate has inside of it embedded something that says OCSP check you know, OCSP.bot.com. Uh, and so it makes a quick request out to OCSP.com, and it, it, it says, hey, is this certificate still okay? And the OCSP provider responds either by saying, uh, yeah, the certificate is fine, or this has been revoked. And uh, so if it's been revoked, then uh, you know, the web browser will pop up a dialog, or it will refuse to accept the certificate. So the idea is that like, if for some reason Google's certificate gets compromised, or the certificate authority discovers that this was actually a forgery or something like that, then they can very quickly revoke it and it will immediately be worthless. Um, so this is something that's of interest to me, right? Because it's like, you know, I have all these uh, uh, null prefix certificates. Well, what if somebody revokes them? Um, and so I was looking at OCSP, and uh, what's interesting is that it's not an SSL-based protocol, you know, for sort of obvious reasons. But um, you know, you, you issue this OCSP request, and you get an OCSP response back from the server. And if the response is a, a successful response. Uh, if the response indicates that um, you know that uh, the certificate is okay, then it is it is signed by the OCSP provider. So it includes the signature, uh, which you know, from our perspective might be uh, difficult to forge. Uh, so what we would like to do is send back. You know, what we'd like to do is intercept these requests, just like we're intercepting the SSL connections. Form a man in the middle attack and send back success, uh, but we can't do that very easily because uh, you know we would have to include the signature. Um, so it turns out that there's a bunch of other uh, response types that you can send, um, and th there's a class of response types that you can send that don't require uh, any signed data. And uh, because what's interesting is that the signature doesn't actually cover the response type; it only covers some other things. So um, it turns out that you can actually send a response that's uh, it's, uh, the response type that's try later, and you don't have to sign that. So uh, what you do is you send back try later, and uh, a browser essentially treats that as a success. Um, you know, it, 
it uh, continues on, and presumably it will try again later the next time it sees a certificate. Um, but so if your certificate has been revoked, then it doesn't get the the uh, revocation. So uh, you know the, the the kind of funny thing was that the the response code for try later is is the character three, uh, and uh, actually you don't have to include any data other than that. So literally the only thing you respond with is the character three, like the ASCII zero x three three, and um, and that just sort of defeats the whole protocol. So you know OCSP is defeated by the number three. Was kind of a joke. Um, <laughs> It seems like you you've you've had a heyday with SSL. Um, I mean, what sort of got you into looking at SSL inserts? I mean, what kind of what kind of gets you going about that, and why do you want to kind of have a look at it and, and you know take it apart and see see where it's got flaws in it? What what sort of inspires you to do that? Yeah, I mean, I guess you know a lot of my interest in computer security is in the area of security protocol. Uh, designing secure protocols, writing proofs for secure protocols, implementing secure protocols, and so you know I've been looking at SSL for a while. You know I published some other attacks a long time ago, and the thing I like about SSL is just that it's um, it's kind of an easy target because it's so universal, right? It's um, it's really everywhere and it's used for different types of things. So if you can find uh, vulnerabilities in SSL or SSL implementations, uh, you end up getting a lot. Um, you know, one one mistake can translate into you know everybody's pop three login in the world. You know, um, so it's it's kind of a nice thing to look at just because it's so prevalent. I mean, I'm right in understanding that the um, that Firefox 3.5 and Firefox I think three as well have, have patched against the the null prefix attack. Is that correct? Yeah, the uh, Firefox 3.5 and Firefox 3.0.13 include uh, patches for the uh, null prefix vulnerability. You know, they actually parse the strings correctly and, and treat the null characters as uh, data that should be compared. Um, so those are fixed. Um, there's, I think there's probably, a, I think yeah, there's a new version of GNU TLS, and I think there's a new, you know, people are slowly rebuilding their applications. Um, and distributing new systems of GNU TLS. Um, some people have been patching their applications against OpenSSL. Uh, and the, you know, strangely, the the thing that remains unpatched is the entire Microsoft Crypto API. So basically, anything on Windows is still vulnerable to prefix attack. Um, and that includes not just Internet Explorer and Outlook, but other browsers that run on Windows. So, for instance, you know, Chrome on Windows is vulnerable. Uh, null prefix attack. Safari on Windows is vulnerable to a null prefix attack. Um, everything that's on Windows right now is vulnerable. Um, so there, there, that's the big, that's the big gate left. I, um, I could be wrong about this as well, but I, I think I thought I read somewhere as well that the BlackBerry's implementation is also uh, um, susceptible to to the attack as well. I think I read that last week somewhere as well. So there's still quite a number of of uh, quite a number of targets for this attack, then. Yeah, um, I think yeah, the BlackBerry folks released a patch maybe this week, um, and I think that you know we'll see stuff like that for a while. We'll see um, you know random SSL implementations here and there. We'll notice, oh crap, you know we're vulnerable to this, 
and uh, start patching their stuff and and releasing the code. And um, yeah, you know, hopefully this stuff will get distributed kind of effectively. But it is, it is a lot of it's a, it's a it's a lot of to uh, to get back out there, you know. It, yeah, it sounds like it's you know there's there's having to do some serious work to kind of patch this. But does is is it right to say that the application process it still itself is still hasn't been looked at? Then I mean that you know you can still are you able to use what you did to still get wildcard certs? Oh, you mean from the certificate authorities? Yeah. Um, I think most of those guys have probably fixed uh, their fix their bugs. Um, yeah, I, I think most of those guys will probably not give you certificates with no characters in them anymore. Um, well, I mean, it's, it seems the it seems that the logical step in in sorting this problem out is to stop doing doing you know making sure that they check for no characters with inserts. Um, I mean, were you surprised yourself at? Uh, uh, when you actually put a little pressure on it, how how you did, you know? I imagine there was a lot of research that that took place here for you to 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 find the null prefix attack. But you know, were you shocked at maybe how easily you took it apart? No, I mean um, there will always be software vulnerabilities. Um, you know, this is not the, this is not the the last SSL vulnerability. You know, there's more stuff in there. Uh, it's you know. The software will always be insecure. And that's that's just sort of the deal. So yeah, for me it's not it's not that surprising when you find the the implementation vulnerabilities. You know, finding protocol level vulnerabilities, that's that's a little bit more shocking. But um the implementation stuff it's just you just gotta assume that it's all bad. Okay. Um I'll I'll not pick your brains anymore about that because I can just imagine over the past you know couple of weeks you've probably had to explain this attack to numbers of people. Um, you must be almost like you know coming flowing off your tongue now talking about the the null prefix attack. Um, I uh, you know I'm, uh, for anyone that that doesn't know you 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 have a site thoughtcrime.org um and I was having a look about today I've have had a look about a few times uh, but I had a, for the first time I actually had a look at your your software um section on your site and it actually surprised me how many tools you've actually got on there um I mean what are some of your favorite tools that that you've got on there um I mean yeah I guess I like it all right <laughs> but uh the uh I mean I, I'm I uh, just released uh, Knock Knock, which is a, a port knocker that I wrote, and I like that. I mean, you know, most of the tools on there are things that like I wanted and couldn't find elsewhere. And um, you know, I think that people have been talking about port knocking for a long time, and um, I'm, I was kind of surprised uh, at how how the you know how few good port knocking implementations there are. You know, people have been uh, sort of going crazy with this this concept, and and I feel like really deviating from the the original intent uh, behind it. And so I ended up having to write my own port knocking implementation just because what was out there uh, seemed so insufficient. So you know, I'm kind of excited about that. Knock knock, um, I think is is a pretty solid tool. Um, I, I use the Tor Tunnel stuff a lot uh, for creating a, turning any Tor exit node into a one-hop proxy. 
uh, I think that that's pretty useful. Not for situations where you want like heavy levels of anonymity, but perhaps you want some perspective. Uh, you want to basically route your traffic through uh, another network segment so you get you know the perspective of looking at things from a different angle. Or if you just want you know some very minimal uh, level of anonymity through a one-hop proxy. Um, and then of course you know SSL strip and SSL sniffs are I think you know useful for all different types of stuff. And those are probably the tools that I use the most. So, um, Moxie, how did you actually get into to, into security? How did you get into this stuff then? Um, through the basically like the '90s hacker scene. I, you know, I don't. It's interesting. I don't know what it was like in Europe, but in the United States, there was this sort of period during the '90s where there was this kind of hacker scene um, that was, you know, before the uh, immersion of professional like computer security um, as an industry, right? That so there was this um, kind of scene of people who were interested in into computer security, um, not as a business, but um, as something that you know they found inspiring and and uh, fun. And so you know, I got I got into computer security through that that sort of scene before it turned into this uh, more professional deal. Okay. Um, I mean, anyone that's seen your site will, will see that you have lots of side, you know, almost side projects and all of that sort of stuff going on. I thought it was quite interesting um, to see that, that you describe yourself as is it one part sailor, one part hacker, one part pyrotechnician. Um, it, it, it amazes me that we've we've gone from hacking SSL to to you know to basically delivering yachts. It seems that you have quite a you know quite a strange you know not strange but interesting kind of setup going on. Yeah, um, I guess I guess I do have some divergent interests. Yeah. Uh, so right, I'm I'm really into sailing. I'm part of this thing called the Anarchist Yacht Club. I have a hundred ton Master Mariner's license. Uh, and I use that to deliver yachts at times, um, and I'm into making fireworks too um, from scratch. It's, you know, something that I think is pretty fun that I've been working on with some some folks where I live. Uh, so yeah, I guess those are <laughs> kind of divergent uh, interests, uh, and yeah, they don't they don't overlap that much. I don't, you know, the, you know, I'm I'm into like the sort of old school sailing techniques. I don't really like combining technology with the ocean and uh so yeah, there is kind of a, a a weird tension in my life, but that's the deal. I also see that you you did uh, a hitchhiker's tour as well. Um that sounds for for me in, in the UK that sounds like a, a really scary thing to do, but but did you enjoy <laughs> it or yeah, I mean, I've, I've spent a lot of time hitchhiking, riding freight trains, uh, you know, traveling by alternative means. Um, you know, a lot of the sailing that I've done has been fixing up derelict boats and, you know, getting them floating again and, and you know, sailing them out on the ocean. So, um, yeah, I've, I've spent a lot of time traveling by alternative means. Uh, I think hitchhiking uh, used to be something that was, you know, pretty exciting, and I think I learned a lot from uh, riding trains in the same way. So yeah, I've got some stories about uh, strange rides and and uh, some miserable moments or whatever. But 
Um, Moxie, uh, another question that I have for you, buddy, is um, are you speaking at any more conferences this year or in the, in, in, in the near future? Yeah, let's see. I'm going to... Um, I'm going to be this month speaking at the University of Michigan, and I'm going to be on the 15th. No, the and then I'm actually going to Hack.lu in um, Luxembourg at the end of October, and uh, I'm I might be going. I'm, I'm uh, possibly giving. Um, I have a training uh, called Design Secure Protocols and Intercepting Secure Communication. It's all about um, basically how to design a secure protocol and using the knowledge of how to design a secure protocol, um, evaluating secure protocols that already exist. Um, so I'm going to give that training, I think, at uh, DeepSec, that's in Vienna in November, and also uh, at Black Hat in D.C. again, in, uh, I guess it's the end of January and beginning of February. Um, so I think that's, that's pretty much my travel roster. Um, so for people that want to kind of find out more about your uh, what you're up to and the, the projects that you're working on, um, do you, uh, you have a blog that people can follow? No, I just uh, I post stories on thoughtcrime.org, and um, and yeah, I mean I, that's that's probably the best place. Is you know I post new software and some stories um, up there, and that's probably the best place for and and white papers, I guess, or whatever. So. Yeah, I mean, I've been on, I've been on the site, and I, I definitely recommend that people go and have a look. It's absolutely awesome. Um, in the interest of not taking up any more of your time, I'll, I'll wrap up with the with the interview. Is there anything in particular that that you want to speak about or, or talk about to the Hacker Public Radio audience? Oh, geez. Um, no, I think I, I think we've covered it. You know, um, you know, this is just sort of like I guess the the overview of all this SSL stuff, and if people are interested, uh, they can read the white papers for a little bit more information and check out the software and look at the source and stuff for figuring out how all this stuff really works. Um, and you know, feel free to email me and correspond and stuff like that. Um, so basically, don't trust SSL. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, it's uh, you know, don't trust software. Uh, I guess that's the real, the real message, right? It's, it's, you know, people have been working on this for a long time, and um, you know, if you look at projects like OpenSSH, you know, these, these, something like OpenSSH has been designed from the ground up for security. Every single line of code that is written uh, on that project is, is done with security in mind. Uh, people are constantly auditing. Uh, you know, you have a very paranoid group of people who are writing this, and yet there are still software vulnerabilities that get released. Uh, and I think you know we have to acknowledge that if that is true, um, you know what hope do we have of finding security in, in all the other products that weren't level were, weren't written with that level of security in mind? Um, and so uh, you know I, the lesson is that software is insecure; it always will be. We need to plan accordingly and uh, take other take other steps for dealing with it. Brilliant. Um, uh, like I say, I mean, you can find Moxie's site at thoughtcrime.org, um, and it's definitely well worth a visit. Um, Moxie, I'd like to thank you for coming on onto the line and allowing me to ask, ask you these questions. Um, it's very nice of you, and I hope that the, the Hacker Public Radio audience will enjoy it. Um, 
so all that's really left for me to do is um, thank Moxie and thank the Hacker Public Radio audience for listening. Before I go, if anyone from the Hacker Public Radio audience wants to um, get involved in podcasting, they can always record um, an episode uh, on anything that they're interested in. Maybe there's someone that they want to interview or a project they want to talk about or a how-to guide or something like that. Um, you can record a show and if you contact either Klatu or Enigma at uh, hackerpublicradio.org, they can help to get the show out for you. Um, so, once again, thank you all, uh, and I'll catch you the next time on Hacker Public Radio. Thank you for listening to Hacker Public Radio. HPR is sponsored by caro.net, so head on over to caro.net for all your hosting needs.